Welcome to Mind, America's Lignite Energy Podcast, brought to you by Lignite Energy Council of North Dakota. Here's your host, Kate Muggerud. All right, and welcome, you guys. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. So glad to have you. This is Mind, Lignite Energy in America. Really excited to be doing another podcast with all of you guys. Um, thanks for listening. You know, we couldn't do this without having you guys listening to this. So every week we're, we're trying to put out content that you guys find interesting. And I know it's definitely something that I find interesting. So this week we are visiting with Jason Borer from the Lignite Energy Council, guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about industrial greenhouses. And I will be completely honest, I had um, done a quick quick Google search of this, and I was a little confused as to, you know, what we got going on. So I, I reached out to the, the expert, like I do, and somebody who knows way more than me about this. And so we're going to visit with Jason. Jason, welcome again. Love having you here. Thanks for having me. Um, it's always great to visit and talk a little bit more about what's going on in the lignite coal world. Uh, welcome everybody who's listening and hope that this is beneficial, that you get a glimpse into the future of what's happening in North Dakota. Absolutely. So, Jason, I know that you and I quickly visited, but one of the topics that I wanted to, you know, discuss with our listeners was industrial greenhouses um, and more commonly to commercial greenhouses. So, Talk to me a little bit about this. What is it? What are industrial greenhouses? So an industrial greenhouse or a commercial greenhouse is just an upscaled version of the greenhouse that um, backyard farmers have been using for years in their own homes, gardens to increase yields, lengthen growing seasons, increase productivity, and, and really have access to more homegrown food. Uh, for their own personal use. So you take that concept, uh, you scale it up, um, and what that allows you to do is measure and track and more adequately understand what does it take to build or uh, grow those crops in these greenhouses in a way that can, you know, you're not just doing it for fun in your backyard, you're doing it as a business um, to make money. And that's really the difference in um, these industrial or commercial greenhouses versus what you see driving along through residential neighborhoods. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody with a greenhouse. Hmm. Interesting. So when we talk about and, you know, say industrial greenhouses, we're talking multiple and many greenhouses all together, correct? Yeah. Um, you know, you're looking at multiple acres um, covered by these greenhouses and, you know, on the scale of, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, who knows how many of these there will ultimately be mm-hmm. uh, in the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. Is it something where it's specifically um, used within like the farming and ag industry or is this something that we're using, you know, in different industries so like energy, for example? Yeah, so you're going to be using these primarily um, for agricultural production. Okay. And what's fascinating about North Dakota is there's always been this very strong tie between the agriculture industry in North Dakota and the energy industry in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Those two things really um, tie the industries together. They they support a 
you know, really between all of energy, all of ag, mm-hmm. that's the bulk of North Dakota's economy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so that's it, true. Yeah, so you take that um, that concept mm-hmm. and say, what can we do to continue to develop that relationship? Mm-hmm. And the next one of the next things that we've come up with um, is this concept of to develop a industrial greenhouse industry in yeah. North Dakota. And what does that look like when you say industrial greenhouse industry in North Dakota? What does that look like? Is that something that, you know, we're primarily uh, a collaboration, like you said, between the two industries? Or what's really the, the goal of it? Yeah, you know, really what the goal is would be to develop the, a type of greenhouse industry similar to what you'd see across the border mm-hmm. in Alberta. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, many greenhouses um up in Alberta, there's probably more than 200 greenhouses up in Alberta that are done, grown for commercial purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're looking at, at what they've done and saying, uh, what are the benefits of doing that and how can we apply that to North Dakota? From from the farm perspective, all of a sudden you're potentially adding a new crop. Mm-hmm. At a bare minimum, you're extending the growing season mm-hmm. uh, and giving flexibility to the farmers. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not necessarily um, a, a great departure from what has happened in the past in the energy or ag industries. It's just continuing to develop that and using the strengths of the energy industry mm-hmm. to diversify and strengthen the ag industry. Yeah, I didn't even think of that when you talk about the longevity and you know, especially in North Dakota and in the Midwest, when we have such a small and can be small condensed seasons, especially for growth, um, you know, like even a few weeks ago, North Dakota was hit with that blizzard and it was October. Is that, would you say that's a benefit of an industrial greenhouse or, you know, to, like you said, control that that growth period? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what it allows you to do is grow a crop in North Dakota that you wouldn't otherwise be able to grow because of that threat of severe mm-hmm. weather. Sure. And maybe that's a a high value crop like grapes or like hops, something that grows well in a very controlled environment. Mm-hmm. And you know, like grapes, you can grow grapes in North Dakota. Really. Um, I, yeah, I had some growing in my backyard. Oh my in gosh. my garden. <laughs> I um, had no idea. But what, yeah, but what you see is the variability is pretty high, mm-hmm. and the yields are um, uncertain year to year. Mm-hmm. So instead of being able to have um, a very small selection of varieties that are bred to grow in short growing seasons and potentially cold weather, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can expand your options and you're going to be growing varieties that, because they're in this controlled environment, would typically only grow in a more Mediterranean climate. Interesting. Okay, so when I was just doing some some quick research, I was saying you can anyone can buy you know, a greenhouse. They have greenhouses on various sizes. And I mean, and you definitely can get into that commercial or industrial greenhouse size. But it's really primarily for, you know, our egg industry, like you said, to grow those high yield crops, right? Yeah, that's when it becomes profitable, or that's when it becomes economically smart to look at it. Because you know what, you can put up a 
a large greenhouse in your backyard, you can heat it, mm-hmm. and you can do those things, but it's probably not going to be worth it to very many people mm-hmm. because when you start um, heating, you know, a 25, 50 square foot greenhouse in your backyard, all of a sudden your, you know, your, your crops are essentially you're paying $20 a pound for your sure. grapes or whatever it would right. be. Right. And so, so if you're a, so it doesn't necessarily make sense to adapt this technology mm-hmm. uh, for a small scale, but mm-hmm. if you're a, a farmer in the ag industry, um, it's a, I think it's a way to broaden your portfolio, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Is this something that, you know, specifically within North Dakota, this has been a, uh, an area of growth or has this been around for a while? No, you know, industrial greenhouses, commercial greenhouses of of this nature, mm-hmm. um, it, it's not a significant industry. Mm-hmm. There may be, uh, just that I'm not familiar with, a few greenhouses, I would say probably growing tree seedlings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those types of things. Um, but there's really not an industry that's consumer-facing for, you know, fruits and vegetables. Sure. And they do have those industries in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And in some of those places, it would make uh, they're successful and they face more obstacles than we do in North Dakota. So, I mean, it's kind of ripe for the picking mm-hmm. here in North Dakota. And that's why one reason why we're excited just to learn a little bit more about it and see what it would take to make it work. Sure. Yeah. Do you see across, you know, from from other states in the country, is this something that other states have been adopting, you know, similar to, like you said, Alberta? Is this is this something you see other states looking into or growing from? Not really other states. Yeah. Um, not we, we've looked um, really at what a couple other locations do, and one of them is Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. What you look at in Alberta is a profile that looks very similar to North Dakota, so mm-hmm. you're familiar with what their environmental challenges might be, transportation challenges might be to distribute that crop once it's grown. Um, and then over what you get out of the Netherlands is they're very advanced in this, and you can kind of see really if you capture the vision of what's going on, mm-hmm. they're a great role model you know, they're doing things in multi-story greenhouses, um, computerized control mechanisms, oh, drones man. flying through those greenhouses, oh, wow. evaluating, you know, testing, sampling, and all those things. So it's really state-of-the-art. Yeah. And what we, the opportunity that we have in North Dakota is pretty big. The benefits, the opportunities mm-hmm. that we have are are really I think we're starting from a more beneficial place or a mm-hmm. better starting position than either the Netherlands or Alberta was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So is this something that, you know, we would want to, as a state, like get behind our farmers and really encourage this growth? I mean, you talk about the benefits of it. Is this something that it's like, you know, we want everyone else to kind of become more aware of these of this industry specifically and looking into it? Yeah, what what we're looking for is to give a farmer a reason to look at this. Yeah. To give um, you know a developer a reason to look at this. Right now, I think there's a lot of people who have considered this thought. There's a lot of people who have asked themselves the question: What would it take to make this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're trying to do is compile the facts necessary to take to a business owner, a developer, a farmer 
whatever and say, here's what you need to know to pull the trigger on this. Right. I mean, right now, farming is an uncertain business. You're dealing with trade right oh, now. Yeah. You're dealing with weather and all this. And it, they're not it, – it, you would have to really want to do this to jump into an uncertain um, outlook. Yeah. I mean, you're going to assume a pretty significant cost to build out a 10-acre greenhouse. Right. And, and so we're trying to make that um, answer easier for people to say, here's what we can offer you, mm-hmm. right? What we know in Alberta is they heat their greenhouses primarily with natural gas. Huh. So, Interesting. you know, think of how much it costs you to heat your home in the winter. Yeah. Hot water, natural gas stove, and then apply that to a greenhouse that is huge you know, and acres big. Yeah. 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 What, what we think we can offer is to say, hey, instead of heating this with natural gas mm-hmm. or in addition to heating this with natural gas, if you do this in the western part of the state where you might get an oil-filled partner to divert some gas, yeah. right? And instead of using purely natural gas, let's use some heat that is already being produced at a coal power plant. Oh, and sure. pipe that heat in through the greenhouse and essentially eliminate a bill for natural gas heat. Interesting, interesting, so you take yeah. what they're doing in, in Alberta and just saying, we're going to eliminate your heating bill. Mm-hmm. That's step one of our benefits. Mm-hmm. Step two for our benefits is we're going to create a better atmosphere inside your greenhouse so your crops grow quicker and the yield goes up, and we're going to do that by sending a pure stream of carbon dioxide into the greenhouse. Mm. And in the atmosphere. I mean, every kid learns in school, right, that plants use CO2. Yeah. That's what they breathe in. Well, that's what power plants breathe out. Interesting. And it's a match that's really perfect for this operation is let's divert a small amount of that CO2, and all of a sudden your plants are growing, you know, one and a half times as fast. Your sure. yield is going up. Yeah. And that's in addition to being able to grow a whole different type of crop here. Sure. You can grow a, a crop of grapes and have it be more productive than it otherwise would be. So it's it's really a win-win, yeah. and that's our message. Interesting. So that's something where, you know, they look at, you look at, like you said, through natural gas heating and, you know, having, like you said, 10 acres um, with this industrial greenhouse, but then really looking at kind of almost a collaboration because, we have that that CO2 coming out of those plants, and we can utilize something that's already there to then, is this correct, would it be a, a lower cost typically? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Hmm. So compared to what you're getting out of a traditional greenhouse that's heated by natural gas that mm-hmm. doesn't have any atmospheric enrichment, mm-hmm. you're getting lower input costs because you don't have to buy heat, hmm. and you're increasing your profits because you're getting more yield for the same amount of time. Interesting. Wow. Because that natural gas, and this is just me not not knowing, but that natural gas does not have that CO2 or the CO2 levels that, that we would from, like, say, a plant coming in, right? Right. I mean, it's possible to divert some of the CO2 from a natural gas-fired power plant, um, but it's 
a simpler proposition when you're pow- when you're partnering with the coal industry. Mm. First, you know, we've got the power plants. Some of our members also operate ethanol facilities, mm-hmm. and that CO2 coming in particular off of those ethanol facilities is extremely pure and it's perfect for this type of thing. So just our ability to integrate a comprehensive solution mm-hmm. really is a benefit to someone who is wanting to expand their agricultural footprint into a, a large-scale greenhouse. Sure. Yeah, that really makes sense. So, I mean, you're looking at then like a lower cost. And if you had, I mean, you obviously have this controlled environment with this industrial greenhouse, this controlled environment. And in a perfect world, and a perfect atmosphere, you're taking exactly what those plants and those crops need to thrive and grow with that CO2, that pure CO2, and in utilizing that as kind of a collaboration, right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to know, you know, you can work with our folks at NDSU mm-hmm. who have this great um, ag research industry mm-hmm. or capabilities and be able to say, hey, give us the combination of factors um, that is, is going to maximize our output. Let mm-hmm. Help us learn the exact CO2 ratio, the exact amount of daylight, because, you know, you don't have to operate these just under daylight hours. You can have artificial lighting right that you can you can have two or three crops a year if you're mm. growing eight hours a day right interesting so now how for from putting this into like a practical use now that we kind of understand um you know the the different aspects of it and you know what it is and what it can do for us the benefits now talking about those next practical steps what would say somebody in north dakota who who is like you know, listening to this, and they're like, "Okay, this is something I want to look into." How do you even go about um, uh, looking into that collaboration? Is that, like you said, you mentioned NDSU? Is that where do you go then for that next step? I think the next step for us, if somebody's out there listening, and said, "Hey, I want to do this. Get in touch with us. We'll mm-hmm. we'll try and put you in, in touch with the right people to make that happen." But probably right now. What you're going to want to do is get onto our website, follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. We're in the early stages of putting together what we would call kind of a white paper that would be the first answers for that person who's calling in saying, I want to do this. Really? We don't know right yet what those answers are going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's we're quite to that point yet where next week would be able to say, you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to know. Let's go build this thing. Yeah, we're we're really in that initial stage of saying, what can we do to take the model that's been developed in Alberta and the Netherlands and adapt it to North Dakota? Yeah. You know, one of the things that is prevalent in the Netherlands that they provide a lot of their own fruits and vegetables from these greenhouses, right? So mm-hmm. they have a market for those, and the Netherlands is a lot smaller than mm-hmm. Dakota, right? So if you're Wait, a farmer, I'm sorry. Did you say ne- the Netherlands is smaller than North Dakota? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So you're looking at um, being able to distribute these mm-hmm. over a um, over a, to a population that is more highly concentrated in 
um, in the Netherlands versus if you're a farmer in North Dakota and you're growing these, um, you know, grapes, Mm -hmm. what's your distribution network look like? Are you really going to be able, uh, maybe you've got a great yield, but if you don't have a distribution network set up, then it doesn't do you any good. And, And that's one of the things, one of those unanswered questions that we've got to figure out is how do you distribute those things, those crops, um, and make sure that you can monetize those, you know, and, and make a living selling these. Interesting. That's so stinking cool. I just, I mean, this is something that it's, like you said, we're really at the forefront of it. And, you know, it's, I mean, everybody probably has heard at some point of a greenhouse and is aware of what it is. And, but I think from, from really that, that growth perspective in North Dakota specifically, um, those industrial greenhouses, you know, you, you drive along, you know, I-94, you see a few greenhouses here and there, but nothing on the scale of what we potentially could be doing to really, to really reap the benefits of that. Right. Right. Yep. Mm. Yep. Exactly. That's really cool. So this is really an opportunity for us as a state too, to to kind of be those pioneers in this in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's something that it's a need for us. You know, you mm-hmm. get your go to Sam's Club or Walmart or Dan's wherever, pick up the fruit this time of year and and try and figure out where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And here's that opportunity to be able to say, you know, just like North Dakota produces its own electricity, just like we're one of the world leaders in oil production, we feed the world. Now, let's feed ourselves mm-hmm. all year long. Let's develop this market. Yeah. And that, that word sustainability and self-sustaining, like those words come to mind when I think of that. And and really as a state, be, being able to, you know, sustain and support um, everyone that, that's here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Too cool. That's awesome. Well, Jason, I mean, that's just I my mind now makes this makes more sense than what it was when I first was kind of looking into it. So thank you for yeah. sharing that with me. Um, it's it's exciting. And so for somebody like that's listening, we talked about that might be interested in learning more, or even exploring this um, area. You said you know encourage them to visit lignite.com and and to just give you guys a call, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We'd be glad to continue that conversation. And um, as things develop, as our research progresses, we'll know more and more about those unanswered questions and Mm -hmm. be able to work with folks to really, I think, make sense of this. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Now, for our listeners, too, I know, Jason, you're really active on Twitter as well. And so this would be some place that our listeners could follow you and kind of keep up with some of this stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. That uh, we'll try and again, we when we have research that is public and is mm-hmm. published, then we we would love to be able to have um, updates of that pushed out on Twitter, and we'll make sure that the latest and greatest information is always available. Too cool, awesome. And now for our listeners, if you guys want to give Jason a follow on on Twitter, Jason, where they where can they find you on Twitter? At Jason Borer, L-E-C. Awesome. 
Thanks so much, Jason. This is great. And again, to our listeners, Lignite.com, they are proud sponsors of this podcast and, and you know, wonderful people for allowing me to kind of dive into this industry and some of these different um, technologies and markets. So, Jason, thanks again for your time. Love having you on the show and, and just it's been a joy visiting with you. So, Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mind, America's Lignite Energy Podcast. For more information on Lignite Energy in North Dakota, visit lignite.com.